As we conclude our series in Acts, it's been so exciting to hear how God has been um, working. Um, I know our children's ministry is going to be meeting uh, next week. They've got their last uh, Acts study that they're going to be doing together um, next week. And then the following week, they're going to be kicking off uh, a new uh, series on uh, Wednesday evenings at 630. Uh, It's called Kid City at Home, and they're going to be following along with our next series, which is about being thankful and showing gratitude. And uh, so we're going to be kicking off a new series next week. And I just want to encourage you, if you have not yet registered um, your kids for Kid City at Home, um, that you can go online and do that today. And just go to springbrook.org slash KC Home, and you can get your kids signed up. And also, I want to let you know that our WANA program is going to be kicking off the week after next. They're going to be starting up on uh, November the 11th, Wednesday evenings as well. And so uh, they've got a virtual AWANA initiative that they're going to be launching. And so if your kids have been participating in AWANA, or if you've always wanted to try AWANA uh, with your children, you can sign up for uh, them as well. So you can just go to our website, springbrook.org. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can sign up to get your uh, kids connected um, here at Springbrook during this uh, time of disconnectedness. And so our ministry leaders have been working hard to try and help you get connected. So we want to encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, last week, um, uh, we have uh, some stories that we were working on putting together, and uh, we are out of stories at Springbrook. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've got a story of where God's been at working in your life, we would love the opportunity um, to record that for you. You can go to our website, springbrook.org slash stories, and I think we've got a slide for you on that uh, there as well. So uh, just go to our website, and uh, you can sign up for a, the, just to share a story. Um, we've been showing uh, different stories the past couple of weeks, uh, people that have uh, come in and kind of recorded those for us. We, we have two people that are scheduled to share their stories the uh, next couple of weeks. And so, but we are really looking for stories. And so if God's been working in your life and you'd love the opportunity uh, to share that, just let us know. We'd like the opportunity um, to connect with you in that. Um, But every week we've been sharing stories, and those stories have been so encouraging. I know they've been encouraging to me. They've been encouraging to our staff and to our leaders. And uh, so I just want to encourage you to uh, share. Um, It's been really exciting for me during this series to be able to hear stories about where God is at work. And then I also get copies of our uh, small group reports from our small group leaders uh, each week. And so for the last seven weeks, I've been looking through those stories. I've been hearing where God's at work. And while we don't have a video for you, I do have some stories that I would love to share with you that I know would be an encouragement. Um, uh, they're up on the screen. If you want to read it, you can just kind of listen along. But uh, I've got probably several stories. Some of these are just really powerful. I know they would encourage you. I know they were encouragement to me. Uh, but I know that uh, one person said that they've really enjoyed doing their, story, uh, their study uh, one-on-one. We have 25 small groups uh, that have been meeting uh, the last seven weeks to go through a study through the book of Acts. Um, and we have one couple that was doing the study one-on-one uh, just together. They both set a daily calendar alarm at a.m. to pray for divine appointments about where God would be at work in their lives. Uh, one of the ladies in a small group had never been in a small group before. They recognized the prompting of the Holy Spirit to step out and try a small group. That's a huge praise. It's a praise whenever somebody wants to host a small group. It's another praise when somebody jumps into a group. So God was really been working through our small groups. One small group said that we had had such a blessed time sharing how God had saved us by his grace. We've been encouraging one another to be bold and sharing how, uh, with others how God has transformed us. One group said we've had a great discussion on why it's been so hard to share our faith with others. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to try to share your faith, but sometimes that can be difficult. They came to the conclusion that sometimes they just make it harder than it needs to be. We just need to start praying, talking to people, asking questions, and responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. One group says uh, one of my coworkers uh, asked me at work if I was very religious. 
Uh, we had great conversations. I invited her to church, and I invited her to check out Springbrook's website. One said, we're continuing to notice more of the Holy Spirit's prompting and seeing our situations and our devotions starting to connect to what we're learning each Sunday. Everyone is longing to become more aware and sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. And we are so thankful for the work that God is doing in each of us. One says, we're sharing how we want to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and His prompting in our lives. We want to talk to others about what God is doing in our lives and at Springbrook and slow down and respond well to the questions of others and to talk about God with others and with friends. Several of us are having a hard time finding a person or a situation or an opportunity to share what God's doing in our life. And we are praying and we are seeking the Holy Spirit every day to lead us to an opportunity that our minds and hearts would be open to share what God would have for us. One person says, I was able to share with my Jewish friends. Others are pray, praying for opportunities to share with coworkers. We're all praying for boldness and divine appointments. One says after their study, they had somebody that um, had a breakthrough in prayer after the end of their small group. There was breakthrough in prayer in our small groups. One person says, I was able to share with my cousin's widow. Another invited a friend to watch our Springbrook services online. We had another friend that just asked us to pray for them. One person said, wow, Acts has given us a breakthrough to share what God is doing in our lives with other people. One says, the YouVersion Bible plan our church is going through along with this series has given our family members a genuine sense of peace over the last several weeks. We praise God for that. One of the members in our group uh, made a friend at a pork fundraiser last year. She's kept in touch and was able to meet with her recently to answer some of her questions about the faith. One of the members of our group share how they would like to have a spiritual conversation with somebody at restaurants after they go out to eat. And they go out every Sunday after church, after they watch online, to go try to engage people in spiritual conversations at a restaurant. Aren't those great stories? I've just heard story after story after story about where God has been at work as we've gone through this, story, uh, this study together. And I just want to encourage you, if you have been encouraged in any way, if you've seen God at work in any way in your life, we would love the opportunity to hear your story. And if you're willing to let us record that, we'd love the opportunity to share it with our congregation at large and people in our community because God is at work in our lives. And it's such an encouragement for us to be able to share that with other people. You can just go to our website, springbrook.org stories, and you can sign up um, to share what God has done in your life. You know, when we started this series back in September, this was my prayer. My prayer was is that people would encounter anew, in a fresh way, the Spirit of God working in their lives. And it has been so encouraging to see that prayer answered. In fact, over on that prayer wall in our sanctuary, I've got a prayer request that says, God, please pour your Spirit out on our congregation. Pour your Spirit out on our community as we go through this series together. And God has been answering that prayer. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be what? You will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. That is our prayer at Springbrook, that God would give us a fresh sense of his spirit, that we would be his witnesses in our Jerusalem. Anybody that walks through our doors, anybody that connects with us online is now a part of our ends of the earth. There are people watching from all around the world on our Springbrook Live. I mean, it's encouraging 
to see the reach that we've been able to have through a terrible circumstance. But God is not only using us in a Springbrook in our local community, but God's using us nationally through our work of our conference. And at the beginning of this series, we shared some of the ways that God has been working in and through this local body of Christ to accomplish Acts 1-8 as a strategy for our ministry. And so as we come to a close of this series, I just want to encourage you that it's not the end. It's just the beginning of what God wants to continue to do in and through you. And so today we're going to look at a couple of principles that we want to apply to our lives that are going to enable us to continue to be used by God. Remember, this is a 2,000-year-old movement we're a part of. We're just a dot in history of what God wants to accomplish in and through our lives and our communities and in our world. And it's such a privilege for us to be able to be a part of that. You know, let's just stop for a moment and praise God for the work that he's done, you know, in our lives through this uh, last several weeks. Father, I just want to thank you for each of these stories. I thank you for the work that you've been doing in and through our congregation and our community as we have studied the book of Acts. Uh, God, we want to be effective uh, witnesses for you and for your glory. And I also realize there are people that still have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. And I am so glad for the opportunity we have to connect and answer those questions. As we're going to see today, we exist to help people to know and to learn and discover more of who God is and what his plan is for their life. And God, I just want to thank you and praise you right now for the work that you've been doing in and through our time together. We commit this time to you together uh, for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 28. And it was uh, interesting. I've been reflecting on this for quite some time now. But um, uh, this past month, on October 18th, uh, my wife and I celebrated uh, 35 years of marriage together. And that is, uh, by the, yeah, is but, you know, the grace of God. And so uh, she is definitely uh, my better half. And uh, so, but this last weekend, we had an opportunity um, to take a trip uh, to Tennessee. So we went up to the Smoky Mountains for the weekend, and we did some hiking, some sightseeing, uh, and we ate a lot of food. We ate a lot of food. And so I did not realize uh, how many food items were tied to the Smoky Mountains. Fudge, uh, pancakes. You know, we went to this one restaurant. It was called Crockett's, Davy Crockett's. Uh, it was called Davy Crockett's Smoky Mountain Breakfast Joint. And so we walk in. I'm thinking, hey, Davy Crockett breakfast sounds good. What's in it? It's got bacon, eggs. Those are all the things that are good for me, protein. You know, I'm trying to watch my carbs. And then, uh, and then my wife says, well, if you get that, I'll get the pancakes. Then I'll share my pancakes with you. And so uh, that sounds good. And so, but then I realized I get one pancake as well. I'm thinking, well, just one pancake, that won't be too bad. And so, but Davy Crockett's, when you're in Tennessee, when you think of a pancake, I don't know what you think of. I'm thinking of a small pancake. Davy Crockett brings out, it's a pan cake. It's actually something that was cooked in an iron skillet. It's this big. It is this thick. And Carolyn was thinking she was going to order two pancakes, and she got two pancakes. And I got a pancake. And so I'm looking at this, and we can't waste it. And I was like, oh, it was really good. Davy Crockett's Smoky Mountain Pancakes. And so, I, of course, I ate it. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, I really need to be careful with what I'm doing I'm hiking, I'm walking, I'm getting some exercise, so I should be okay. And that evening, we're out walking, and, and, and we come across this place. It's Smoky Mountain Fudge. I thought, fudge? What's Smoky Mountain Fudge? So, well, we've got to try it. So, and if there's, of course, there's a deal. You buy two of them, get one free. It's like, well, it's like five bucks, so who doesn't want the free one, right? So we got this Smoky, smoky Mountain Fudge. <laughs> it was so good. I don't know what they did in the Smoky Mountains, but it was good fudge. And then the next day, we're driving around, and it's like, they got a Smoky Mountain foot-long corn dog. 
So I'm thinking, you know, this is just obviously a gimmick, right? But at this point, we are eating some really good food. Now, at the time, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I need to be careful about what I'm eating here. I'm going to go hiking, so I'll probably be okay. I got home, I stepped on that scale, guess what? <laughs> I wasn't okay. My COVID-19 is now my COVID-25. <laughs> I tell you, I, I knew in my head, though, when I was there, it was fun, we were having a blast, we were taking advantage of a time, and I was thinking, but I knew I needed to be careful. But, but, but it didn't translate. When I was looking at that menu, it just did not translate. I didn't follow through to what I knew to be true. I knew that if I ate all that stuff, I was going to gain weight. And sure enough, I did. You know, this past several weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts. And we have looked at a lot of information. We've looked at a lot of information. We've looked at a lot of passages. You've studied a lot of passages. We have looked at a, uh, just, we've looked at the work of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the lives of the, the apostles and the disciples. And we've seen the birth of the early church. And we have learned so much. We're going to be looking at 28 chapters in Acts. If you've been doing that reading plan that Matt had in your study guide, you've looked at 28 chapters through the book of Acts. You have processed through so much information. But sometimes it can be like a menu. Sometimes we can get so full that we forget we need to put into practice what we need to know. I knew I need, shouldn't be eating all that stuff, but it didn't translate into my behavior. We can study the book of Acts in the same way and not have it translate and affect our behavior. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as we come to the end of this series, to reflect back on those things that you have learned. And please, Make it a matter of prayer. Let it guard your heart as if your life and the lives of others around you depended on your being faithful to those things that you've learned. You know, James says that faith without works is dead. It does us no good to learn if we're not going to put the things that we're learning into practice. And so this morning, I want to encourage you with some principles that are, are my prayer that would help you to be able to put the things that you've learned uh, into uh, practice. We're going to be looking at Acts uh, chapter 28. And if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me there. Um, if you're watching uh, with us on Springbrook uh, Live, uh, down at the bottom, there's a link that you can click. It just says Bible. You can actually open up Acts 28 right there on your screen. Um, and I just want to uh, encourage you um, as we read these uh, passages, to, uh, to listen along with me um, if you don't have a Bible in front of you. But the Apostle Paul is all throughout the book of Acts. You know, we see so much of the Apostle Paul. He has um, been persecuted for his faith. Um, in chapter 21, he's in Jerusalem. He's been arrested. Um, he's, uh, he's on trial. And uh, the Jews want him dead. And so the Jews are, uh, have brought him to this Roman court. They want to put him on trial. They, they, want, they want him put to death. Uh, but the Romans can't find anything wrong with him. I mean, it's, you know, this is up to you guys. We don't find anything wrong with him. And so the Romans don't quite know what to do with him. It's almost identical to the story of Jesus, right? You know, the Jews are really trying to squash this movement of God as he's birthing the new church. And they're really trying to uh, work against uh, the body of Christ. And Paul is caught up in the middle of that. He's put on a boat to Rome, um, and on the way, he's shipwrecked. He's almost killed there. Um, and in chapter 28, um, we see that he's put on another boat after the shipwreck, and he's on his way to Rome. And uh, we pick up in uh, uh, chapter 28, verse 11. So just listen along with me here. Beginning in verse 11, after three months, we set sail on a ship that had uh, wintered on the island we were stuck on. It was a ship of Alexandria 
uh, with two twin gods as a figurehead. It's on a Roman boat, and they've got, they've got these gods that are supposed to be looking over the seas for them. And so he's on this Roman boat, and, and uh, they put on to Syr- uh, into Syracuse, and, and they stayed there for three days. And then from there, we made a circuit, and then we finally arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And uh, on the second day, we came all the way to Petoli. Now, they traveled in the first three days almost the exact same distance that they traveled on that last day when that, when that south wind came up. And so Paul covered a lot of ground uh, on the sea as he was coming uh, uh, to Rome. And then uh, when they arrived, on verse 14, it says, We found brothers there, uh, and we were invited to stay with them for, sev- uh, for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And then the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the the three taverns to meet us. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And and when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldiers who had guarded with him. And so we want to stop there for a second because there's some information that is really relevant um, to us here. Um, A couple of noteworthy items. You know, when he got to Rome... Um, it says his friends came to greet him from afar. They came from over 50 miles to greet Paul. And so they knew Paul had arrived. There was an anticipation of his getting there. And they didn't get on, they didn't get in the car and drive to Tennessee like we did for a couple hours. These guys had to make their way to where Paul was in Rome. And some of them traveled almost 50 miles just to get to him. And so this is a big deal that Paul has arrived. Um, it says in uh, verse 13 and 14, it says, uh, we made a, the circuit. We arrived at Regium. And uh, after one day south, the, the, the wind came up. And uh, the second day, we finally get to Putoli. And there we found brothers, and we were invited to stay with them. And then it says this at the very end of verse 14. And so we came to Rome. It's just this little tagline that says, and so we came to Rome. As if that was just a small little blip on the radar. But, but that is such a, a big deal. It is a huge deal that Paul is at Rome. And you kind of miss it by just looking at this little tagline. You see, Paul wanted to go to Rome to appeal to Caesar as a Roman citizen for his trial. But the reality is, is that Paul had always wanted to go to Rome. Paul had always wanted to go to Rome. He became a Christian in the year 33. In the year 36, uh, he flees Damascus because of persecution Uh, He visits Jerusalem, he meets with the apostles, and for 10 years, he's growing his faith, and he's preaching, and he's teaching in Jerusalem, Tarsus, and Antioch. And so in the year 47, he starts his missionary journeys, and uh, he's leaving Jerusalem and Judea. He's headed south towards uh, Samaria to the very ends of the earth, and um, his missionary journeys are where we really pick up, where we start to see God really working in the apostle Paul as the church starts to spread. So if you look at some of his missionary journeys, you know, in 47 to 48, in his first journey, he's down in Cyprus all the way down to Galatia. In 49 through 52, it's his second journey. He's in Asia Minor. He's in Greece. Um, he's writing letters to the Thessalonians. You know, the first and second, uh, first and second Thessalonians, those are letters that Paul wrote while he was actually on his second missionary journey. In 52, he's in Jerusalem and Antioch, and he starts his third journey. He's in Ephesus when he writes his letters to Galatians and uh, the Corinthians, and then he travels through Greece. And when he's in Greece, about between 55 and 57, that's where he writes a letter to the Romans. Now, the Romans uh, in Rome are over 500 miles away from where Paul is, uh, is at currently. And so when he writes the book of Romans. I want to read something to you that he writes uh, in Romans. In Romans, uh, uh, in chapter 15, 
Paul's writing this letter. Now, he's still, obviously, he's still um, uh, back in Jerusalem when he's writing this letter. But he says this in uh, chapter 15, verse 20. I made it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. This is the reason why I have often been hindered from coming to you, because I'm doing work in this other area. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, since I have longed to be with you for many years to come see with you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. In verse 25, 25 he says, But at present, however, I'm going to be in Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. And so, but what's interesting here is at the end of verse 23, he talks about his longing to come to Rome. Now, this is, you know, this is in the year 55 to 57. And so, he's, but there's been years that Paul has been desiring um, to get to Rome. This is not some new idea that Paul's just thinking, hey, now that I'm done here, I'm going to go to Rome. Paul has wanted to go to Rome for years. It was on his heart. And what motivated Paul to want to go to Rome that we saw from Romans chapter 15. He wanted to go and preach the good news about Christ to other people that had not had an opportunity to hear. It's on Paul's heart to go to Rome for years. And Rome is just not in some place that he's going to appeal to Caesar for a trial. Um, He's going to Rome to tell other people about Christ. That's what's on his heart. And he has an opportunity to get to Rome as a result of what he's going through with his persecution. You don't know what you're going through. I don't know what persecution you're going through today. Whatever you're going through today that seems like persecution, it might be an opportunity for God to use you to tell other people about Christ. You know, Paul's in the middle of this persecution he's going through. He's on trial. They want to be put to death. He appeals to the Roman Caesar for his trial, but then he gets the opportunity that he's been longing for for years to actually get to go to Rome. That is his motivation. And so when we get to this passage in Acts when it says, finally, and then we got to Rome, that's a big deal for Paul. It's a accumulation of years of praying about getting to Rome because of his heart to share Christ with others. You see, Rome is not just a project for Paul. I've gone to Jerusalem, I've gone to Antioch, I've gone to Greece. Hey, I think I'll go up to Rome right now. And so it's not a project that Paul has. It's something that he's been wanting to do for years to share, other, to share Christ with other people. His motivation for being there was to share Christ with others. It wasn't just a project. And so many times when we think about opportunities to pray for our opportunity to share Christ with others, we think about it as a project. You know, to be honest with you, we're, we have people that are praying for opportunities to share their faith in Christ with other people. But if we're not careful, it becomes just a project, something to check off of our list. And we have to, we have to step back. We have to say, what's our motivation for wanting to do that? And so as we've gone through Acts, as we've learned all about the book of Acts, it's my prayer that our hearts have been changed so that our motivation is to get in line with what God wants to do. You know, the opportunity to get involved in a small group, that's, an op- that's something that you can check off your list. It's really important. But it's my prayer that as people get together and get connected in small groups, that they're, that they're growing in their faith and they're encouraging one another. The motivation for why we do what we do is just as important as what we're doing. And Paul's motivation was to share Christ with others. People are not a project. You know, when I left Baxter to ministry, it wasn't because I was just looking for another job. 
You know, when Pastor Dan and his family moved from Wisconsin all the way down to Lake in the Hills to start Springbrook, it wasn't because they were looking for something else to do. You know, our leaders, when, when they move into a leadership position, you know, um, they're not just looking for something else to do with their time on Sunday morning. Or on their, if a small group leader steps in to lead a small group ministry, it's not because they can't think of something else to do on the evening. It's, have you looked at people's calendars today? You know, people serve in ministry with the right motivation. If you're not serving with the right motivation, then you get burned out because the Holy Spirit's not in that. We can't just check things off our list as if they're a project. Our motivation has got to be right. Our hearts are the issue. In Acts 1.8, it says that we're going to be witnesses. We're going to be witnesses in sharing what Jesus has done in our life with the other people around us. That's what being a witness is. It's nothing more than sharing what Christ has done in our life with the people around us. And our motivation is to share with others that don't have what we have. That motivation is critical if we're going to be effective at reaching our community for Christ. You know, we have, to be, we have to check our hearts to make sure that we are doing things with the proper motivation. Paul just didn't get to Rome. You know, it was on his heart for years. Verse 14 says, and then we came to Rome. As you pick up in verse 15, it says this, and there were brothers there. And when they heard about us, they came as far as the form of Epius and, and the three taverns to meet us. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and he took courage. You know, what did Paul do after he got to Rome? He'd been praying for this opportunity for years. He's finally there. And what's the first thing it says he did after he got to Rome? He thanked God. He praised God for getting in there. It wasn't in his own strength. It was in God's timing that God finally got him to Rome. He stopped and he praised God and he what? He took courage. You know, why did Paul need to take courage? You know, that, that means that, you know, if he had to take courage, that means obviously that, the, that there wasn't courage there. And so he thanked God and he took courage. There was something going on in Paul's life that was lacking and, and he took courage. And I want to I read something from you um, from uh, 2 Corinthians talks a little bit about the condition that Paul is in when he actually gets to, uh, to Rome. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, I uh, remember he wrote that letter uh, while in, earlier in his travels. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, Paul describes some of the things that he's been through. He says, five times I received uh, at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. These lashes were designed to kill me. Forty lashes was designed to kill me, but they, but they spared my life at one, and I had to suffer. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. We heard just one in Malta. Three times he was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys I was in danger from rivers. I was in danger from robbers. I was in danger from my own people. I was in danger from the Gentiles. I was in danger in the city. I was in danger in the wilderness. I was in danger at the sea. I was in danger from false brothers. In verse 27, it says, In toil and in hardship, through many sleepless nights, I was in hunger and I was in thirst. Often I was without food. I was in cold. I was exposed to the cold. Verse 28, Apart from all these other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all these churches, 
all these new believers that have made faith commitments, I've left, and he's, he's still praying for the people that have made faith commitments. And it's on his heart. Who is weak if I'm not weak? Who is, who is made to fail if I'm not indignant? And so this, from, this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, kind of gives us an idea of what Paul is facing. Paul has been in ministry for 24 years. He gets to Rome, and where he has longed to be with the people, and in an area that he that desperately needs to hear the good news about Christ, and he's moved from being discouraged to being encouraged. He has been discouraged. He has. It's been a long road, and finally he's at Rome. He thanks God for getting there, and then the brothers show up, and he takes courage. He's encouraged by these people that came 50 miles to come greet him and encourage him. And, I, and friends, I can't tell you how important it is for us to be able to encourage one another like that in ministry. Because you know what? This is a difficult job. Our war is not against the physical things of this earth. It's against the spiritual realm. You know, we are in a spiritual battle. And the things that are at stake are eternity. What you believe about Jesus Christ today is going to affect where you spend eternity. I feel the weight of that. I hope when people come into this church that they have an opportunity to hear about the love that God has for them and the hope that is ours in Christ. It's an opportunity for us to worship and to praise God. I love the music. I love the teaching. We want to create a warm, welcoming environment for our guests. But all of these things are so that we can point people to the reality and the hope that we have in Christ. We need to encourage each other on our journeys, just like Paul was encouraged, because it is a lot of work. You know, if Springbrook is is your home, I just want you to know how grateful I am for you. It is encouraging when we come together to worship, isn't it? If this church is your home, I am so grateful for your commitment to be a part of what God wants to accomplish in this local body of Christ and in our community. And if you're new to Springbrook and you're just checking Springbrook out, maybe this is your first time to watch online, maybe it's your first time here, I am so glad that you are here. I am grateful for you. You are a gift, and we want to help you to be able to learn and discover more of what God has for you. And so we want to help you get connected in relationships and get plugged into this local body of Christ. If you're just checking Springbrook out and you have questions about God, the Bible, or our ministry, or how to have a relationship with Christ, maybe you just stumbled upon this video later. Some, you could be watching this now next year. Whatever you're doing to watch this, I'm so glad that you're watching this message. We want to help you get connected to, vertically to a relationship with Christ and horizontally to the local body of Christ. You know, we exist for a purpose, to reach our community for Christ and to build passionate followers. That's why we exist. That's our motivation. And everything that we do revolves around that. It is so important that we stop to encourage one another. Next week, we're going to be kicking off a new series on being thankful. That's one of the things we're going to spend some time doing, just encouraging one another, praising and thanking God for his faithfulness. Being a witness is sharing what Jesus has done in your life with others around you. You know, motivation is a hard issue. We need to share what we have with others. And, it's, and this is also not something that we do on our own. We need each other. We are better together. We need to encourage one another. And it's my prayer for you. You take the things that you've learned through this series, that you put them into practice in your life, and let's encourage one another along the way as we do this. 
So Paul's friends greet him. He's in Rome. He's under guard. We pick up in verse 17. After three days, he calls together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered him, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people, the customs of your fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me free because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But the Jews kept objecting. And so I was forced to compel to appeal to Caesar. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation, you know, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing these chains. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here this morning have reported or spoken any evil about you. We don't know why you're here either. Verse 22, but we desire to hear from you what your views are with regard to this since sect, since we know that everywhere it's been spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him to come, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced about what he said and some, were, some others were not. And so I want to look at verse 17 for a second. It was after the three days he called together the leaders of the Jews when they had gathered. And he said to them, I've done nothing wrong to you, but I've come to you so that I can make this appeal. But the real reality of why he's there gets to verse uh, 22. And when you're reading through this passage, I don't know, I'd encourage you to go back and read this again on your own time. But when I got to verse 22, my heart stopped on that one because they have no idea what he's here. But then look what they said in verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are with regard to this sect that is everywhere spoken against. That gives me goosebumps. Paul is finally in Rome. He's been trying to get an audience to speak to people. And what happens? Lo and behold, there's this answer to prayer. We don't know why you're here either. But hey, why don't you tell us about what you believe about Jesus? Isn't that great? So Paul's friends have come to greet him. He's under Roman guard. And, and all of a sudden, he's, now he's before this huge group, getting the opportunity to explain Jesus to others. Why did Paul want to go to Rome? For years it has been his desire. For years it has been on his heart to be there. He's arrived at Rome. He's been encouraged by the brothers. And now he gets to share. You know, those are called divine appointments. Divine appointments. God, give me opportunities to share the hope that I have in myself with other people. That's a divine appointment. And it drops right on Paul's lap. Are you praying for divine appointments in your life? One of the things that was so encouraging to me as I was reading some of those stories is how many people at Springbrook were actually praying for divine appointments. Isn't that great? Because when you pray for divine appointments, God answers those prayers. You know, in your conversations with people, do you use words like God, the Bible, church? I mean, do you look for opportunities to work into your conversations what God's doing in your life? And when you do that and people hear that, they're curious and they ask you a question. It's like a, it's like a little gold nugget just dropped right on your lap. It's a divine appointment. We need to be praying for divine appointments. You know, and then listen to what happens in verse 23. When they had pointed a day for him, he came to them 
as in a lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus before the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, and others disbelieved. Paul shared, some were convinced, and others disbelieved. Our responsibility is to share what God has done in our life with other people. We don't save anybody. In fact, all we do is share. All we're doing is getting in line with what God wants to do. John 6, says, No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. So apparently the Father did not draw these, but they drew, he drew those. Our responsibility is to do nothing more than to be a witness and to share what God has done in our life with other people. And then we have to trust God with the results, don't we? And so as we've gone through this series, it's important to be able to remember that we have to make ourselves available for God to use. It's a hard issue. We have to encourage one another. You know, we have to realize that it's our responsibility to share, and we have to trust God with the results. You know, last week I got caught up on a, uh, I watched the, told myself I wasn't going to do it, but I watched the presidential debates. And so they're going on and on and on. And so I made a comment about leadership. You know, couldn't help myself. I got pulled in. Sure enough, I had known somebody. I've known him and his family for years. Came online and all of a sudden says, you're a pastor. You shouldn't be making comments about this. I'm thinking, it's a presidential election. I'm also a citizen. But all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's an attack. I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up for a little second. You know, it's like, hey, by the way, you know, and I tried to steer the conversation in order to, you know, have a, have a relationship with Christ. Because some of the things he was saying to me were about my role as a pastor. It's like, well, you know, what do you think a pastor is? And, and so, by the way, you're still going to church? Do you have a relationship with Christ? And, and so, obviously, you know, he says, well, you're just trying to divert the conversation. I said, no, this is relevant. This is, this is really important. I said, you know, so do you have a relationship with Christ? And so, well, I don't need a relationship with Christ. Who needs to believe in something that's impossible anyway? And so, you know, God doesn't even exist. And so, I'm having, trying to have this conversation with somebody. And, you know, obviously... You know, he's just not getting it. And so finally, I just had to delete my post and walk away. But, you know, sometimes I get involved in conversations and people set up some time to talk. I get to have coffee. It's so great when we get to have people that respond favorably to what we have to share in Christ. It is. It's a blast. It's encouraging. I love talking to people about Christ. You can talk to 100 people about Christ. Five of them might say, I'm interested. One of them might make the decision. There's 7 billion people on this planet. So you just think statistically, we have to be talking to a a lot of people to get a conversation with a couple so that one might make a faith commitment. Don't be discouraged by the results because guess what? It's not up to you. You share, God does the work. You share, God does life transformation. We share the good news about Christ our messages, our website, our Springbrook, our small groups, you're sharing in your workplaces, at your workplace. We're all trusting God together for the results. And every once in a while, we get to celebrate that together. That's why baptism services are such a big deal in Springbrook. I mean, they're huge. They're a great celebration. When somebody makes a faith commitment, it says the angels in heaven rejoice. And we get to be a part of that. But it is God that does the work. And so as we've gone through this series on Acts, it's my prayer that that you would learn, that you would take these things to heart, that we can encourage each other, and that we'd be faithful to sharing what we've been entrusted with, and that we could trust God together for the results. Paul's been reasoning with them for a while. Some believe. Others are getting ugly with him. 
Then in verse 28, he says this, well, you're rejecting Jesus, therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They're going to listen. Verse 30, it says, he lived there for two whole years on his own expense. He welcomed all those who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So I want to say something just briefly there, because if you are following along in your Bible, with me, depend upon your version, it went from 28 to 30, <laughs> so 29 is missing. Some verses, uh, some translations have 29 in it. So just briefly, so you know, it's not as if anything got forgotten or omitted. You know, um, it was the 1500s that they decided to put chapters and verses in the, on the Bible so that it would make it convenient for us to talk to one another about it. And so those are new. In some translations, the manuscripts, the earliest manuscripts don't have it. Some of the later manuscripts do. And so my footnote down at the bottom, it says verse 28 is not showing up. My, my, my eye doctor is looking at me right now, so I have to be careful because I'm looking under my glasses. But it's down at the bottom in really small print. It says verse 29, when he had said these words, the Jews departed having much dispute amongst themselves. <laughs> So that's not in every translation, so it's not as if it got forgotten, but you know, it goes from 28 to 30. You know, that's an academic issue, um, and it's an important issue. But the point is this. What did Paul do after he shared Jesus with others? Did he say, check, I'm done now, and go on to the next thing? Was it just a project for him? Was it just a task he clicked off his list, you know? It says for two whole years, he made himself available. You see, going to Rome was not just an event for Paul. It was a mission. It was Paul's heart desire to get there. It was a mission. It was not an event. It was a part of a journey. You know, if we're going to live these principles out, if we're going to take everything that we've learned through this series and really live those out, we have to stop and we have to make sure that our motivation is right. Why do we do what we do? It is to reach people for Christ. It is to build passionate followers. Everything we do in this ministry revolves around that vision. That's why we exist. It's a motivation and it's important, isn't it? Because without that, then it becomes about me or about him or about you or about other things. We exist to reach and to build passionate followers of Christ. And we need to know that we're not alone in this. It's not, you're, you're not alone. Our small group leaders all have coaches to pray for them and encourage them. If you're in a small group, you've got a small group leader that's there to pray for you and encourage you. Our small group coaches have Pastor Matt and myself encouraging them and praying for them. If you're a leader at ministry, you have a staff person that you're working with that is praying and investing in you. If you are a visitor at Springbrook Church, if you've given us a communication card, if you've given us your name at all, guess what? We're praying for you. You know, we are here to encourage one another and to build one another up. That's what the body of Christ is for. That's why it's so important. It's, you know, Paul says the body of Christ is like we're members of one another. Membership is a commitment to one another to say, hey, we're going to invest in each other and build one another up and encourage in one another. It is so important that we do that. You know, we share who we are in Christ. Everything that we do focuses on who we are in Christ. Our small groups don't just get together to have food and some punch. I mean, 
we love having food in our small groups, and it's fun to do ministry with people. I mean, I love talking to people. But in the end, you know, we, we're about studying Scripture and applying it to our lives. Relationships are foundational for us at Springbrook, but we have to get to the point that we start to discover and discuss matters of importance. That's who we are in Christ. Relationships are important, but our discovery and discussion is critical so that we can hold each other accountable, so we can affirm one another, and so we can encourage one another to grow in our faith. We are on mission. It is not an event. It is a journey. We're here together on Sunday morning to be encouraged and equipped so that when you walk out those doors, you can be effective at what God has for you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family. We are on a journey together. And it's such a blessing to be a part of that. And so as we come together and we close out this series on Acts, our small groups are going to be studying. Uh, Next week's going to be the last week for their study. This is going to be the last week that we're together. It's my prayer that each one of these four principles would guide you so that you can continue and we can continue to become all that God has for us together. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're online, our hosts are going to post a link for you, springbrook.org slash card. Um, If you're watching online with us right now at a later date, um, you just go to our website, springbrook.org slash card. I want to encourage you to fill out a communication card. If you're in with us in person this morning, you've got a little slip right next to you. It's a communication card. So you should have a pen. It's sterile. (laughs) I want to encourage you to get that communication card out. On the back of your communication card, or if you're on our website filling out that communication card, there are seven opportunities for next steps. I have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. If you cannot say with confidence that you have a relationship with Christ, it's as simple as admitted that you are a sin, <laughs> you're a sinner separated from God. That understanding that Jesus Christ is God, paid the penalty for, you, for, that, for your sin, for his death on the cross, that as God he has the ability to forgive your sins, that he, he was resurrected. If you believe and place your faith in Christ, then you are saved. It's as simple as asking the Holy Spirit to come into your life and save you. And so if you want to make that decision, if you want to know more about how to make that decision, just let us know if you have questions about Jesus. We'll have the opportunity to talk with you more about that. You know, if you want to place your faith in Christ for the first time today, just, just, just cry out as best as you can. All you have to do is prayerfully in your heart and say, God, I, I don't know how, but the best I know how, I want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm a sinner. Thank you for that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and, and that he, he was raised from the grave. And I want that hope of where I'm going to spend eternity come into my life and take control. If you want to pray that today, pray it. And then let us know you prayed it. We'll celebrate with you and help you get started on the rest of your journey. If you have questions about baptism, if you want to know more about Springbrook, you know, if you're interested in joining a small group, or if you want to know more about your spiritual gifts, every believer has a spiritual gift for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Let us know. We'll help you find your gift. Or maybe you just want to grow in your missional impact. I want to encourage you today, as we conclude this series, to look for opportunities to put these things into practice in your life. And if you need some help doing that, we're here to help you with that. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for thank you for the book of Acts. I thank you for Paul's faithfulness. You know, I just think through some of the things that he's been through. And God, just thank you for strengthening him and for the way you used him. And God, in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our struggles, we know that you are here and that you are faithful. And I just pray that you would continue to give us an ever-increasing sense of your presence in our life. Uh, God, I just look forward to all that you have for us as we prepare to move towards Thanksgiving and being thankful, and ultimately towards Christmas as we celebrate the birth of your son 
God, help us to keep our eyes on you, not to be distracted by the things that are happening on this earth. It's not our home. We know our home is in heaven with you. I pray that you continue to guard our hearts and our minds and our eyes for you and for your glory. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us this morning. If you have any questions, uh, please reach out and let us know. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you back next week as we kick off our new series on being thankful. God bless you and have a great day.